Fred Ricciani of the Sports Courier Podcast. This week, we have a very special guest. I'm going to be talking to Pierre-Carl Willett, a.k.a. PCO, formerly one half of the Quebecers and Amazing French Canadians. is a three-time WWE World Tag Team Champion, a former WCW Hardcore Champion. He had stints in WWE, WCW World Championship Wrestling, ECW, even Total Nonstop Action Impact Wrestling. And for a number of years, he had tried to find success. Yes, he was on the big stage, but he felt like he didn't get the shake he deserved. And it took years and years after changing his attitude, changing his diet, changing his mindset, changing everything, including his character and becoming more or less a guy that's like the son of freaking Frankenstein. PCO, these last few years, has had an incredible career resurgence. And today, he can call himself a Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion and World Six-Man Tag Team Champion as part of the main event stable Villain Enterprises with Brody King and the villain Marty Skrull. So we're going to be chatting with PCO about his decorated career, overcoming unbelievable odds to now be a, not a one, but a two-time, a double champion in Ring of Honor at the ripe young age of 51. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my chat with PCO. Oh. He's traveled all over the globe and continues to kill it, heading into Ring of Honor's MSG debut. We're talking to Pierre Carlouillet, a.k.a. PCO. Mr. PCO, how's it going? Um, I'm great, Fred. How are you? Doing all right, man. I appreciate you joining me on, on this weekend at the time we're recording this here. And it's funny. The night we're recording this is March 23rd. And back in March 23rd, 2001, 18 years ago, WWE finalized its purchase of WCW, and the wrestling business was kind of never the same. Fast forward 18 years later, you're currently killing it in Ring of Honor. Uh, AEW is, is, of course, starting up. WWE is kind of ramping up with its global expansion. The indies are popping. We're a couple weeks away from WrestleMania. How does it feel to be a professional wrestler in this time right now? Probably one of the greatest time ever. I mean, uh, for any wrestlers, actually, like... Uh... It's like the golden age is back again. I don't know. It's like gold all over the place. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, everybody's winning. The fans are winning. Uh, the promotions are winning. The wrestlers are winning. It's a win-win-win situation all over the place. I mean, it's great. I mean, fans get to see a lot of great talents. Talents get to get paid a little bit better because there's, you know, uh, competition around. And uh, at the end of the at the end of the day, the fans are the one who are getting uh, the best product. I mean, and they can choose. Now with social media, they can go on YouTube and uh, watch whatever they like. It's that before you used to be imposed to watch a certain show because that was the only show on the air. Now you can choose to go on the air and check out the show that you like the best. And this is great for the fans. Do you feel like this is kind of like a new age territory days? I mean, of course, you have the major promotions with real money behind them, like AWROH, WWE, and New Japan. But, you know, all Japan is starting to see a bit of a resurgence. Of course, you got Lucha. And uh, as you mentioned, it's, it's so easy to watch all of these. I mean, Honor Club, Ring of Honor, and, and its streaming service, New Japan World. And do you feel like this day and age is kind of like the, the old territories, but with more access? Yeah, I think so. I think it, it, it's looking like that, but like at a, a different. Uh would a different uh let's say it would be like the same car but with a different uh, car you know like <laughs> yeah. 
the the facade is different you know the 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 way that things are been projected they're they're different of course fans can watch you and villain enterprises every single week on sinclair broadcast station so if you have sinclair your area or you can watch it on the fight tv app and on april 6th i know the villain enterprises is going to be doing their thing at MSG. Of course, Marty Skrull is challenging for the Ring of Honor World Championship against Jay Lethal and Matt Taven in a ladder match. So that's going to be a physical affair. And I'm sure you and Brody King have something special planned. Can you give us a hint of what you guys got going on in your return to the Garden? Uh, no, I mean, uh, just just like as usual, expected, unexpected, it's going to be crazy. But I can't say no more. I can say more because... I gotta keep a few surprises for people that will be in attendance there and people that will be watching on Honor Club and watching to our different, you know, platform. Uh, it's not a show that you want to miss. You want to watch it live for sure. Uh, and it's just our our match and Marty's match going to award the whole entrance by itself. So it's going to be award the whole entrance or the whole pay-per-view uh, fee by itself. So everything else is going to be bonus. Was professional wrestling your first love when it came to sports and fitness? Well, I always uh, was in, uh, kind of in love with uh, professional hockey or just ice hockey, you know, like uh, being from Canada. But uh, it was like very, very uh, almost equal like hockey and wrestling because what happened is like I started playing hockey. I was like probably three years old. And uh, when I got like, when I was like 12 years old, when I was getting ready to go for a hockey practice in the morning on weekends, uh, I would uh, watch TV and I'd always like uh, fall into a wrestling show and I got hooked very, very badly on wrestling. I, re- I Like I always liked it. And I remember like uh, when I was finishing my high school, uh, I had to play a, a part, but first of all, we were a group of uh, six guys. We had to decide that we were going to play a, a French act in theater. And the whole show was like uh, a wrestling show. So we were playing like voiceovers. Not me, I was Hulk Hogan. And or I was wrestling a guy, uh, and he was Rick Martel. And uh, we had like the, the guys' commentary, uh, commentary analyze. The guy who was making the analyze color commentator. Uh, we had like the Mad Dog brunch and things like that. So we had all kinds of parts all over the place, and we finished that course with a, a note of like 95%. So uh, the teacher was like very surprised of our creativity and the way we did uh, employ uh, the French language to throughout the whole act. So it was like already there at a young age, at the age of like. 14, 15. So uh, it's been a huge thing in my life. And when I lost the sight of my eye at the age of 12, I knew right then that I wanted to be like uh, the next Hulk Hogan. So it's, it's been like, it's been there. It's been that burning desire in my heart since teenage. And, and when you broke into wrestling, it was still during the era where like, uh, they didn't really tell you if it was, it was real or predetermined or it was a work or, or a shoot. You kind of had to find out yourself. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was asking guys during my training, uh, but they, let's say they put like uh, one of the trainer in a corner and then they would like shoot us like to the boot in the corner. They would put in the boot up 
and he would kick us in the face. And and then I was asking, Hank's supposed to be like fake or something, and like, like nobody would want to answer anything. And it took like three months before I was able to get in the ring. I was out, I was getting body slammed on floors and uh, getting chopped and uh, you know all kinds of stuff just to make a squid and to to really try to see who was the guy who was uh, going to last, who, who really want to make it. You know, it's very different than what, what it is today. Um, and they, they were going like by elimination like that. So, I mean, I started in a wrestling school, a wrestling school where it was free to, to, to learn wrestling. And uh, we're wrestling in front of like uh, three, between three and 500 people every Sunday afternoon. Uh, and people used to get it for like two dollars, but I mean you had to pay the price. But we started. We were probably I don't know between uh, 35 and 50 guys. I remember like we only like three or four of us made it to the roster on the Sunday afternoon. So it was really tough. Like a lot of guys were quitting after a week or two. And yeah, wrestling certainly isn't for everybody. You had to cut your teeth for a few years in the independence uh, way back then. Um, before breaking into the DDB, then known as the DDB at the World Wrestling Federation, with Jacques Rougeau as the Quebecers, but you were you were still per- relatively young then. I mean, you won three tag team titles. You got to feud with Bret Hart as well. It was a, kind of a downtime in in the business, but uh, one that showcased a, a lot of great talent like yourself, like Bret Hart, and a number of others that maybe wouldn't have gotten that opportunity, say maybe like uh, a decade prior. Uh, what was that time period like for you in WWF? Well, I mean, it was like, uh, it was a dream come true, actually, you know, like I had to, I really busted my ass to get there. I mean, uh, I've, I've been through a lot of, uh, of things that were really hard. Uh, like I went to the, uh, the hard territory in Calgary and left Montreal. I flew there. I couldn't get booked anywhere by just sending resume, resume or just sending pictures and things like that. I uh, made a few phone calls trying to talk to promoters. My English wasn't that good, and uh, nobody could really understand what I was saying. It was, like, so green. So I just decided to buy a plane tickets, and I, I went to Calgary and went to Stu directly on the Friday night uh, during a live show just before a show, asked him if I could wrestle for his organization for Calgary Stampede, and he said no. And then I just... Boys kind of ripped me, you know, made me go to Edmonton, which was like four and a half, almost five hours, four or five hours uh, with the bus, the Greyhound bus, and I was trying back and forth, you know, like Friday night Calgary and taking the bus to Edmonton on the Saturday night trying to get books to see if somebody was going to miss out or just get injured or something like that. So I did that like for three to four months and... Uh, uh, then I was talking to some of the boys that were training sometimes. I found a place where to train with some of the boys that weren't on that roster, and they wanted to bring me to Al Tomko in Vancouver. And uh, just uh, I got so discouraged. So I had, you know, I was missing my family, things like that. I was 18 years old, so I went back and uh, got booked in the Maritimes for Emil Dupre. And I got booked on top right away. I don't know, something was a confusion or something. So I got booked, and I was working the booker, Bob Brown, every night, and uh, Masi Chono, his name was actually Tokyo Chono, and uh, I was working with another Canadian guy, Eddie Watts, and 
I mean, I was screwing up so many things. That was it was like from not being able to get booked somewhere to get booked on top. And we were wrestling for the belts every night in that territory, and I screw up so many spots. And I, I was mixing up the language and things like that. It's been so hard. So I got fired after a month. So it was like tough times until I went to England, went to Germany, went to South Africa. Finally got booked in Puerto Rico for Carlos Colon and met with Jock there. And then after eight years, I got a break in WWE. Can you just describe what it was like to work with a great technician like Bret Hart? Well, first of all, he's a great technician. He's a great wrestler. But on top of everything, he's one of the greatest, if not the best. Him and Sean. I think Sean is actually great, too. But it's just great storyteller. Uh because sometimes, you know, he was using, like, similar moves, but it was just a different order, the way that we were telling his story, the way that we lay out that story, and the way that he was laying out that story. And this this is the, I mean, I mean, he was athletic and all that, but most of all, this, this, the psychology of, of putting a story together, together was one of his best... Uh, this quality that I could say, uh, on top of many others, but this was like, I mean, it was a piece, it was a piece of cake. I mean, it was so much fun working with him. I mean, I've learned so much with him. It's just, uh, I, I was like a sponge. I was trying to absorb as much as I could, like every night that I was working with him, I was trying to listen, trying to see, trying to, uh, absorb like everything. And, uh, this is one of my most like, uh, enjoyable favorite um like you know the whole uh rivalry the whole uh the whole time that i i, I got to work with him was like uh something very special in my life how's your how's your relationship these days with kevin nash i know you exited to be back in in the mid 90s upon you know having some beef with him you didn't want to lose from what i understand the story goes you don't want to lose in montreal clean you know, when he, when he was yeah. in the title against you, maybe you wanted to do like some kind of alternate finish, um, which led to some, some conflict. How, how's things with you guys these days? It's great. Actually, uh, it's been awesome. Like, I've met him in, like, in so many buildings lately, uh, 2017 especially, and uh, 2018. I've probably met, like, 10, 10 times a year. I don't know, like, uh, and uh, I've worked against him, like, in 2009, too. Uh, I've worked him, like, a couple of times, and I was in the same, same dressing room with him. And it's been totally cool. Because, uh, you know, like, I've, I've said it on many other places, like, where I had the chance to to talk about this. Um, you know, you, you as much responsible as the other uh, group, if you give it, like... Uh, like if someone hates you and you hate them back, it's double hate, so it makes a lot of tension, you know. But if someone hates you, but you still do your stuff and you don't care about it or whatever, you know. It's like it's like pushing on a wall. If if you you push on a wall, you feel like the wall is pushing back at you. At you. But if you don't put any pressure on a wall, you feel like there's no pressure, no pressure that's coming back to you. So that's what I learned through the years, you know, like at one point I was mad again, you know, against the, the clique and all that. But in my life at one point, I start looking at myself in the mirror and I realized I was the only one responsible for everything that happened to me. So 
uh, once that I took the blame out of everyone else and put all the blame on myself. I mean, not the blame, but the responsibility that I I, I totally felt responsible for everything that had happened in my life. It's like instead of giving the power to the others, it gives you the power to change things instead of blaming others. And when I did that, that's when I, I think that my career got like, uh, it's getting better and, and that's why I'm, I'm where I'm at today. I think it was a lot of work on myself in order to be able to come back like that. For sure. That, that very well said. And I think too, with some younger fans might not realize is like, you know, after WWE, you had a short stint with WCW as part of the amazing French Canadians also with, with Jacques. And then you were in WWE actually for a couple of years, you know, during the attitude era, but you know, didn't utilize you too much. And it's that era to me, I think was very, I mean, never mind what you were going through as far as personally and just dealing with some of the stuff and everything backstage. Just, it was very cutthroat. I mean, wrestling's always kind of been a cutthroat business, but I feel like during that time, uh, it, it's very different from now. I feel like a lot of people now are, are friends. You know, they very much root for each other. And, and back then, it was kind of a different story. Is, is that the case as you remember it? Well, I, I'm, I'm sure my perception is totally different now because I've changed too. But, yeah, I felt that back then, uh, you know, and I still feel like that. If you, if you get mixed up in everyone's story, you're going to start to hate other uh, people that you're not traveling with or that you don't get along with. And it's easy to get round up, you know, four or five guys, you know, traveling together and talking about the other van of guys traveling together because, uh, you know, you feel like uh, they don't have, they have a push and maybe they don't deserve it or they're not great workers, but for whatever reason you may think and it would start, you know, pitching uh, things why it shouldn't be like that and territories not run well and that's what creates most of the backstage problems, you know. So I think uh, one of the best things if you're traveling with people is not to get mixed up in stories like that. You gotta keep your your thoughts for yourself and and just not try to get mixed up in things like that because, I mean, it could be like a career ending, like you know, made the wrong move at the wrong time, and it takes a while before you get another chance to get a good chance at it so uh for me i mean took a lot of things you know before i was able to uh, maybe being able to recognize uh those things were part of you know uh a bad route that i might have took you know and also different other things you know i if, if i look at myself in the mirror uh, all your life you want to do something, you want to accomplish something, and when you get there, you feel like, okay, no, I just arrived. Well, now you've got recognition, everybody recognizes you on the street, wherever you go, restaurant, you know, bars, whatever. Uh, you're on TV, you're making money, glory, fame, all that. It changed your mindset a little bit. You feel like you're more important. You feel like you're someone important in life. And you start, I don't know why, but you, you start to think that you may be better than others. And then uh, it, it's, things start to go wrong in your life. And then 
you think it's because of the other guys, it's because of the company, it's because of the wrong push, it's because of the bad angles and things like that, but in your mind, nothing goes really right. So from that point on, I mean, you kind of lose your focus because you're not as as disciplined as you're supposed to be. You're not focused as you're supposed to be. Uh, suddenly, you know, you, you say in your words that you want to be the next champion or you want to be the next big thing in wrestling, but, well, you're out at night, you know, chasing girls and being at bars and things like that. So you're not really focused on what you're supposed to do. So, uh, and also you got excuses. You say, well, I'm on the road all the time. You know, I've got stress, i got this, i got that. I'm not happy with the storylines. And so you make ex- excuses why you should go out and, you know, uh, take off uh, some of the stress and, and things like that. So a lot of uh, bad things might, you know, happen. <laughs> you think it's going to be great because you're going to make it well there's tons of traps out there so you got to be ready mentally for those traps if you're not you're young like i was 25 26 27 you're making tons of mistakes well you're you're, you're certainly somebody that's that's learned from their mistakes and so it's I, i'd say definitely an inspiration for young wrestlers and, and other wrestlers that you know still want to push themselves towards success let's fast forward after wcw and wwe you worked a, a few matches with TNA Impact Wrestling. You then, if I'm not mistaken, you did for several years voiceovers for them and, and commentary. I did probably five years, yeah. Okay, yeah, so about about five years well, in, in TNA. Years, years from from 2005 uh, to 2008, three years, yeah, sorry, three years. Okay, okay, so for a few years you worked with with TNA, and, and then from there uh, you decided, you know what, what the hell, I'm going to dive back into the independent scene and. Uh, it, it took quite a while, but man, but you made some waves and uh, with the kind of new age that we have with social media and gifts and we see this guy PCO from back in the day doing moonsaults and dives and having these crazy matches. And, and I think the couple of matches you had with Walter is what really woke everybody up to, to seeing what the hell you've been doing between uh, you did Joy Jones spring break. And then I think you guys also wrestled once in Germany or, or, or at least like at the time when you first started like a, a few yeah, times in yeah. Germany. Well, actually, what happened, I, I'm, I'm going to try to short everything up, but what happened was, like, I went through a series of failures big time, and a series of, like, I did believe in myself where, I don't know, I was, like, making, like, uh, you know, like, 50, probably, yeah, 25, to, uh, $500 for one, hour, for, for one hour of work per week, you know, and... I quit that job, and 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 the guy, my boss at the TV station, said, "Well, we can't, you know, we can't keep your job here. Just have someone to replace it for three months. If it doesn't work good, you can fall back on this." And I'm the kind of guy I hate falling back on something. I I love to burn bridges, and actually, I did a documentary with Kenny Johnson, a great filmmaker, called "Burn the Ships." So it's not bridges that I love to burn; it's, it's ships. So uh, I burned the ships because I didn't want to have something to fall bo- fall back on. I, I trusted myself. I believed in myself. So I went to England uh, on the indie scene, and uh, then I worked with Walter in Germany throughout that, that tour. Well, it was him and other guys during the 16-carat tournament WXW in Germany, but I was working full-time in England for Brian Dixon All-Star Wrestling. Uh, I had to try out for WWE in Birmingham, England, Tommy Dreamer, he said, no, 
who don't have anything for you. 2003, I had a great tryout in Montreal, tore the house down the set. Creative doesn't have anything for you. 2005, supposed to work a guy that doesn't work out, so got to do like a promo. And then it's no, we don't have anything for you. 2008, got another tryout, Morganson Arena, Connecticut. It's supposed to be for Monday and Tuesday, Raw and SmackDown. I get there on a Monday. I come up with some stuff way ahead of my time. The match goes wrong. Everybody's watching me, Vince, Sean. Like everybody's wants. I guess everybody wants me to to succeed, but I'm having like a bad match. So this don't don't uh, bother coming to SmackDown tomorrow. Just drive the car back to Montreal. So it was a lot of failures and. Uh, and then 2017, 2018, like uh, when I, I got the chance to wrestle Walter at WrestleMania weekend, uh, for me it was a big, big WrestleMania match. And I knew like I had to have like a great match. So, I mean, I didn't want like uh, being, being Primadonna, I asked for a lot of money or, you know, asked for a flight to get, I knew they were tight, you know, on the budget. So they asked me if I could uh, drive to, <laughs> New Orleans, which I drove to Montreal, it was like 40 hours to get there, 40 wow. hours back for one match. So I had really had to believe in myself to, to go through all this after so many years in the business. And actually, it paid off, you know, all those failures and still believing in myself and still knowing like I was a great wrestler and I could do great things. And droving there, uh, I mean, it paid off. And then... The rest of 2018 really blew up, and 2019 I signed with Ring of Honor. Yeah, I mean, you really blew up on the indies. You you appeared on yeah. MLW, which is on BN Sports, and they're doing very well for themselves too, especially in the Hispanic market. And now you're with Ring of Honor, Villain Enterprises. You guys are looking to take over Madison Square Garden WrestleMania weekend. Man, I mean, I mean, it's this is crazy. And, and fast forward, you're now a Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion. And Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Champion with Brody King, Marty Skrull, the villain, maybe the, the top star in all of Ring of Honor right now. And I think Marty's a good chance to become the Ring of Honor World Everweight Champion at, uh, at the Madison Square Garden. So, you know, what's, that's what we want. All the belts between uh, Villain Enterprises. It doesn't matter who gets what, as long as we get the TV belt, the world title, and the tag titles, and the six-man uh tag titles and all the titles between the Lynn Enterprises, the biggest, greatest, oddest faction in pro wrestling in 2019, Martyrs, Girl, Brody King, PCO. You said it. Now on the surface, it seems kind of like a, a random team. I've seen some, I've watched you guys on, on Fight TV a little bit and I'm just like, man, these guys kind of gel naturally. Did it? Did you guys kind of know each other before yeah. he's getting joined up? 2008, I met Marty and, and Nick Aldis while I was touring in England for almost a year. And uh, I never thought that would come back until like later on in my life. You know, I felt like 2008 was a wasted year for me, you know. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm telling to all the guys that are trying to make, get a break in this business sometimes, don't think that you're doing something for nothing. Everything means something. Uh, you just don't know which one which story or what person you met uh, is going to come back and help you out later on. You never know how things are going to play out. So, you know, Marty, uh, you know, all the, everybody was leaving and 
Marty needed like to start a faction. And my my name popped out, and Brody King, like I think he had met it with him, like in a, a wrestling school earlier on, or a seminary or something like that. So they got along good, so his name popped out. I had toured the whole year, and I've seen uh, Brody King. I've worked him so many times, or with him, or against him, feud. Um, I knew the chemistry was already there between me and Brody King. I knew Marty first since 2008. You know, we got along great that time. And uh, when I knew that they wanted to put the three of us together, I said, hey, man, this chemistry is going to be crazy. You know, it's already there, so it can only get better. So that's what it so that's how it's been. It's been great. And you've been great, but I know some people, including some of your colleagues, I think maybe Jim Ross recently said something on Twitter like, hey, man, take it easy. You are, you've been doing all these dives. You have your trademark moonsault. I mean, this is some amazing stuff, but obviously it can be really hard on the body as well. Uh, how are you feeling, and, and what allows you to continue to take these amazing risks and just come back every night, besides being Frankenstein's son, of course? Hey, man, it's just because I love it. You know, like I told Jim, I'm so passionate about this business, so passionate about what I do that I don't feel the pain, I, I don't know, I, I, and I'm okay the next day. It's just one of those things where, you know, uh, it's, just, it's just me. It's just, uh, it feels great, you know, doing those things. I mean, I, uh, it's hard to explain. It's, it's really hard to explain, but, I mean... You're 51 years young, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> I like that. First time I hear something like that, it's great. It's awesome. I like the way he says. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. I mean, uh, and I was, and like you said, like I'm crushing a big moonsault. I'm doing like crazy things. That, uh, honestly, I, I'm not trying to, you know, say things that, just to increase or to, you know, increase the value to who I am right now, but I'm having my best year ever. I mean, this, uh, I, I feel like my explosion is like, is at a point where it's never been like that when I take off or I hit the ropes or I feel like my speed, my explosion, uh, everything that I do, it's at the best uh, it's better than never been. I, even better than it was 2018 and 2017, and even better than it was in '95 uh, and '93. I mean, I, I feel right now that uh, I'm the best wrestler that ever uh, could be or ever was. And it's as for some people, it's hard to understand and. And I, I totally understand that, but it's really what it is. But I'm, you know, like I was saying about uh, talking about discipline, it's like every day early I'm up. If I'm not on the road, I'm in the gym for my first workout. I go for a second workout. You know, I'm, I'm doing like, um, I go to trampoline park. Uh, you know, I do a bunch of things is to have me quick and alert uh, work on my psychology side. I mean, as a person trying to understand life, trying to understand patterns, trying to understand what I have to do in order to get better and 
really work at it, really work hard at it, and, and, and work out in the field that I want to ex exceed, succeed in Excel, which is pro wrestling. So um, I'm really like, I'm not going out at all. Uh, I'm totally focused all my time. I spend is watching tapes and watching things or learning on my opponents and things like that. So it's totally, everything is focused around pro wrestling. My whole life is focused on my goal. And which is, you know, to be like dominant force in pro wrestling and a story that people will talk about for a long time. And uh, maybe making movies on my story and things like that. It's going to be, it's going to get bigger and bigger. I can promise you that. I look at some of your videos that you've done on social media and they are absolutely fantastic. And yes, you've gotten yourself into tremendous shape and you've gotten better in the ring, but I feel like you've also invested a ton into your character and you know, you didn't have any big budgets. You didn't have any major company behind you prior to, you know, ring of honor. This is stuff you all did yourself or I'm sure with a, with a, a small group of people. What do you think that younger wrestlers can learn from your transformation, not just physically, but character wise? Cause right now you're killing it. Yeah, it's just it's the passion, you know. It's all how how much are you willing to invest into your into the what you like, into what you want to be, into creating something that you feel part of it, you know, like not something <coughs> creating for creating. It might not have to start like that until you find the way, but it's an extension of who I am, you know, and. It was hard. I've been searching for a long time. I was trying to find the perfect character for myself. Well, the perfect character for myself was PCO. And PCO was like uh, a Frankenstein, uh, you know, a resurrection in 2017, 2018. And he's been a different guy since there, since then. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it works. And, and also... Um, you know, the crazy bumps and things like that, it's always been part of me. Now I've got a reason to do them. And uh, like you said, when Jim Russ said, you know why the big backdrop on top of the apron while well, everybody said Jim Russ, you know, he said he was not human. So people know it makes sense, and it's an extension of who I am really in life. And... Um, you know, I'm the guy willing to do a lot of things in order to succeed. And I'm not at that point right now, I put so much discipline into what I do and so much time to what I do. It's like, you know, I don't even want to watch uh, the news on TV, you know. I'd rather watch some my opponents or guys that I need to understand their style and and uh, just concentrate on what I want to accomplish. That's that's my thing right now. That's that's why, and that's why I'm able to be so creative on the videos with Destro because for two guys were so hungry for you know for success that were willing to do everything. And sometimes you don't know, but we go through through a lot of uh, hard times in order to get a video done. You know, uh, because, you know, sometimes we're about short a time before we need to find what we need to find in order to, to shoot that video. And 
we're coming out every Monday with something, so it's, it's something where you can say, well, we're going to take a week off or something like that. Every Monday we're coming out with something, and sometimes there's a lot of problems coming out with some things, but it challenges us to be the best that we can be and be creative, and it shows through videos. It shows through the wrestling, to everything that I do. The passion comes out. It's what people feel. Ring of Honor World title on the line, Villain Enterprises. It is the G1 Supercard Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, the IWGP Heavyweight title, Jay White, the champion. That title's going to be on the line Saturday, April 6th, the night before WrestleMania, Madison Square Garden in New York City. If you can't make it there, you can order it online at ROHHonorClub.com and on traditional pay-per-view. Well, I, I, I want everybody to come and join me and follow me on my Twitter account at uh, PCO is not human. Uh, every Monday night, we're coming out with a different video, me and Destro. Uh, we're going to be uh, performing live on uh, the Poopoo Spit uh, with uh, Coleman, uh, Caprice Coleman, the host of the show, uh, the Friday the 5th. Uh, so that's going to be crazy. And and I'm sorry, Destro, Destro is your... What's his official title? So, so fans have seen the videos that they might know of him. For those that don't, who, who well, is Destro? He's my my creator. He's also like the guy who... Uh, well, my personal trainer, if you want, but mostly the creator. So he's, uh, he's the one who has me uh, when I met him, uh, met with him, if I was willing pay the price in order to get what I wanted. Promised me that it was going to bring me to the land as long as I was willing to pay the price. So that's that's what's going on right now. So I'm just paying the price every week. Every match is every time that I step into the ring, step into the gym, uh, whatever you know he wants me to do, I'm willing to do because I want to succeed. So everything in order to succeed, I'm willing to do. So that's why it's been pretty crazy. Well, you're starting to get a bit busy WrestleMania weekend. We appreciate the time. Follow him on Twitter at PCO is not human. He is in fact not human, but he is a fantastic wrestler to watch. PCO, thank you so much for the time, man. Much appreciated. Thank you, Fred. Thanks to all your fans, to all the listeners, and all the best. See you soon. Thanks a lot.